How do we create meaning beyond the uniform? This is episode 232 on unlocking resiliency to do just that with Nate Boyer. You're tuned into Forever Athlete Radio where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp, and today I sit down with Nate. For those of you not familiar with Nate's story, he is a Army Green Beret, a philanthropist, a humanitarian, and a former football player for the University of Texas, as well as NFL player for the Seattle Seahawks. At 34, Nate became the oldest rookie in NFL history when he played for those Seahawks. Nate's unique experience of finding himself a part of both the professional athlete community and the veteran community shapes a lot of the work that he does now. Having seen how both communities can often struggle to create a meaningful life once their uniforms were laid down, Nate joined up with Jay Glazer to found Merging Vets and Players, or MVP for short. MVP helps tackle the transition struggles through workouts and workshops that provide the space for both parties to tap back into who they've always been and connect with one another. Today, we discuss his movie, MVP, which I highly, highly, highly suggest going and checking out on Amazon Prime or wherever else you might be watching movies these days. The movie highlights a lot of what the organization does, but more importantly, how the organization came to be. We dive into discovering a new perspective on grit, managing the adversities we all face in our day-to-day lives, and how we can start to create more meaning in our life. Before we dive into it, I ask that you take a second to share this conversation with someone in your life that might directly relate to the experiences that we talk about here today. You never know the impact that that one conversation may have in the trajectory of someone's life. So go ahead and share that with that person that first pops into your mind. Now, let's dive into it. All right, Nate. Welcome, man. I I appreciate you taking the time on this fine Friday in between meetings to come and jam with me. How you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, dude. I got to say, first and foremost, your story gives me hope because I've told my friends for years now that if I dedicated my life for, I, I gave it two years, I could make it to the NFL and I'm 28 and you did that at 29, uh, having never played organized football before. So all I'm saying is very inspired by your story. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. But college was 29. The NFL was 34. So you got plenty. Oh, I got shooting. All right. And I'm, I'm going to just kick my feet up for a few more years. Then. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no rush. What was that? What was that like calling for you? And and how did you when did you start to realize like, okay, military career is coming towards an end here? Why college football? Um, you know, I I, I joined the military. I do a lot of things in life late. That's like a trend for me. I'm always kind of late to whether it's <laughs> whether it's fashion or uh, you know, w- w- whatever's sort of the new, uh, the new fad or, or like social media uh, platforms, you know, I'm always like, I wait until like forever to finally, you know, get a Facebook and then eventually get an Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. It was like, I was always late to the party. It's just kind of how I always have been. I was a late bloomer when I was a kid, maybe that's part of it. So I didn't join the military till I was 23. Um, not that that's super old, but it's, you know, the average is more like probably 19 or so. Mm. Some people join at 17 even, and especially when you're enlisted. And uh, so, you know, for me, it it, 9-11 happened when I was 20 and I didn't join right away because I just kind of took a lot of time to think about it and look into it. At first, I wasn't really sure, didn't have a lot of confidence in myself. And, you know, eventually I did it and and I ended up uh, doing five years uh, on that initial enlistment and active duty on active duty. You know, I was over in Iraq and 
I felt like towards the end of my deployment, things were winding down a bit in Iraq, or at least the, the battlefield was changing as far as, uh, you know, being in the special forces, it's like you have a lot of autonomy, 12 man teams, and um, it, it can be tough when you feel like a little bit, a bit of that is taken from you and you kind of have some, you know, some, some restrictions in what you're able to uh, sort of foster and, and grow because you're, you're, you're not only over there chasing down bad guys, going after high value targets, you're training local uh, military you're training. We were training the Iraqi SWAT, an Iraqi SWAT team an Iraqi uh, special forces team. And, you know, so when you're sort of hamstrung by by changes and, and rules and provincial uh, control locally, which, you know, it's understandable you're trying to stand up that military. It just, it complicates things. So I, I was considering reenlisting, uh, but also, you know, I was 28 years old and it was during football season. I remember watching college and pro games on TV and they kind of helped get me through that deployment. And I'd never played football in my life. Growing up, I didn't play and I regretted it. Uh, cause it was my favorite sport. And it was just like, man, I wish I would have just tried. And so I thought, you know, all right, I'm 28, soon to be 29. Um, I don't think I want to reenlist. I think I'm going to get out and I guess I can always come back in later if I need to. But, uh, so I made that decision to, to get out and to go to college. And, uh, I figured, you know what, if I'm gonna go to college, I might as well just try out for the football team wherever I go. Um, I ended up going to Texas, which is a really good football team program, you know, the history and, uh, but it's a great school as well. And I'd been to Austin once. I loved it. I wanted to go somewhere new, uh, being born in Tennessee and raised mostly in California, a little Colorado. Uh, this was just a very new place. Um, and it just kind of all came together. I ended up getting in and went out there and tryouts were like right after I pretty much took my first couple days of classes. And it was just like, here we go. You know, and I was in good shape from my time in the military, like good condition. And all they really were looking for out of me and some of the other walk-ons is just, we just need scout team guys that are going to go hard every play, get run over with dignity as one of my uh, coaches used to say, and bounce right back up and, you know, be prepared to take another hit and prepare the guys that will be playing on Saturday for the game. So that's how the college football career started. And, uh, you know, eventually I found a way on the field via long snapping, which was little outside the box hey you got to find a way you know yeah. maybe that's the special forces training in you uh trying to just doing what you can to to find a way in right exactly <laughs> exactly well what was it like from like a just a mental perspective um outside looking in it would be easy to say okay yeah late bloomer you're you're older than most other people that are in that locker room on a day-to-day -day basis how did you like humbly accept that like beginner and like curious learning mindset again when you essentially you have every right to then stand in your defensiveness and be like no well i have this background this experience and how do you not let past experience like limit you from growth in the newer things that you're trying out and that could be in football or or later career pivots for you as well too yeah i mean i think a good analogy to that is like I have this I have a feeling a lot of guys that were that, that come out of the military, and I feel like I've kind of heard this narrative before, especially if they served in the you know in the special operations or some type of elite unit. You know, they feel maybe a bit of um, entitlement uh, for whatever they're going to do next to jump the line, 
Um, like if they're going to go into law enforcement, for instance, which seems like a logical pivot, mm. you know, oh, I should be, I should be able to, you know, go right into the SWAT team or something, you know, uh, but it doesn't work like that. Like you still got to start at the bottom you got to start in the mail room, essentially, uh, no matter where you go, you might be elevated quicker and people might identify, oh, this person is uh, very capable. They've got this experience, this, you know, resume, um, maybe they'll, Maybe they'll we'll, uh, promote them at a faster rate in some way and they can get there, but you still need to start at the bottom. And so, you know, for me in football, I mean, granted, even if, even if I had played before and I was decent, say, in high school, I still feel like that understanding that people in these different pr- professions, whatever it is, like that are playing, that are that are not just playing, that are um, working or competing or whatever you want to say at the highest level, they probably poured a lot of time and energy into that specific thing mm. and should honor that and respect that and understand that just because you have worked very, very hard in your life at some other endeavor that may translate. Um, if it's, if it's still quite different, like you, you've got to just kind of shut your mouth and, you know, be the tackling dummy for a while, essentially. Uh, so I saw it as, you know, of course, when I'm going there, when I was first going to Texas, like I wanted to play and I wanted to play safety or receiver or something. And mm-hmm. after getting out there, spending that first, uh, you know, semester, I guess, season, um, on the sideline, not playing at all. And just even at practice, realizing and understanding no matter how hard I trained, I just wasn't going to get faster, like more explosive, maybe a little bit, but Mm -hmm. not enough to be able to cover those guys, you know, in the secondary or not enough to be able to blow by uh, even a linebacker, you know, and, and, and find some open space to make a catch. So it was like, and I'm not a big guy, you know, and I'm older. So I was just like, all right, man, what do you, what is, what do you actually want to do here? Like, is that the most important thing? What position do you play? Or do you just want to find a way on the field and, contribute and that's really what i wanted to do i wanted to be a part of the team and play meaningful snaps at some in some way Mm. so i had to identify a job a thankless job um which we are often used to in the military um and focus all my energy into that and that's how i found long snapping i mean it's one of those things that you do that you don't really get a lot of credit for there's really no glory in uh the doing well <laughs> and being not just serviceable, but actually being really good. Uh, you're only recognized typically when you screw up. Mm-hmm. And, um, so because of that, not a lot of people want to do it. It's not desirable. And uh, I just figured, well, that's my opportunity, you know, uh, a little bit of uh, contra, not controversy, a little bit of uh, what is that word I'm trying to think of? Um Oh gosh, that's <laughs> all good. Uh, come on, help me out here. You got. You got I was about to say uh, a little bit of just oper- adversity, I guess. Okay. Adversity, or you know, just like s- adverse conditions. For instance, when I when I'm competing, I used to ski race a little bit, and mm-hmm. I was good but not great. But whenever it was terrible weather or it was icy, I seemed to place higher. Um, I think it just helped me focus. I felt like everyone else was like, "Oh man, like." Uh, like this is not this is not ideal you know and i'm like great so they're all mentally tapped out 
Yeah. Um, this is my opportunity. So same kind of deal with this. It was like one of those, like, no, I don't want to be a long snapper. Ew. You know, um, that's how a lot of guys feel. And it probably would have been a ticket to the NFL for a lot of better athletes than me, but mm-hmm. you know, they just, it's not sexy. So they didn't want to do it. And uh, I was like, all right, great. I'll do it. Uh, and you know, and not that I was the only one that wanted to do that. There was other people trying out, but I put a lot of time and energy into those repetitions and learning how to do it. And I, I really focusing on the small details. I, I kind of uh, related it to when I was learning to shoot a pistol in the military. Cause I had mm. I shot a pistol one time in my life before that. And there's all the way they teach you is like, it's one, like we, we practice drawing it from the holster for days mm-hmm. before we even send around down rage, you know what I mean? And then, then you're picking up the front side post and, and then you're, you know, presenting the weapon in front of your eyes and kind of keeping that level, um, sight picture. And, uh, and then you're squeezing the trigger. You're not pulling it. It's like all these little pieces that you learn one at a time. And then you put them all together and eventually get pretty smooth at it and consistent, you know? And so I did the same thing with long snapping and it, it kind of worked out. Yeah. I, I heavily relate to that little piece of like, I don't know. It's just something twisted in the brain. <laughs> I think it works at times. Sometimes maybe we actually try to seek out too much adversity and make things harder than we need to. Yeah. That's um, true. <laughs> but I, I heavily relate to that piece of like that little bit of me. I get excited when I get that initial adversity. Like I, I swam and um, grew up, you know, started in sixth grade of 4:45 a.m. swim practices and it was a weird and I still have it to this day where like when my alarm goes off really early in the mornings I get this almost like sense of pride and accomplishment that I'm up doing what I am doing knowing that like most other people won't in a lot of ways and I don't know if you can relate to that but it sounds like to a degree you also get that same level of excitement when some adversity hits and it's not just handed to you which is a yeah. no, double-edged I, sword. Definitely. I mean, it, yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, I always say obstacles are opportunities to be great. Like if you don't have, if there is no kind of great challenge within that, then there is no greatness in the achievement. So, um, whether it's highly competitive, um, whether it's, you know, you hit a roadblock or, um, or whatever. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a million ways you can kind of look at that, but w- when you have, um, when you have some adversity, um, that's just, that's just an opportunity, you know, that that's like certain people gravitate towards that because yeah, it like, you know, it, we, we're problem solvers. We want to fix things and we want to prove, I don't know why that is, but we want to prove people wrong or, or prove ourselves right. That we're, worthy it probably comes from deep insecurity in some way uh but that's okay it's i think that's kind of a healthy way to exercise it uh potentially but um but maybe not i don't know i, I feel like i was just watching uh it was rerunning last night on espn the last dance uh, mm. one of the episodes and i was like yeah i mean michael jordan may have some insecurity but probably not a ton probably not as much as maybe i've had in my life you know he seems pretty secure <laughs> but he's a highly competitive um you know he loves adversity he was talking about they were playing the uh utah jazz in the i think it was the 97 finals mm-hmm. and you know carl malone had won the mvp that year and they they the interviewer asked him what was your motivation going into the 
finals of you know, against the Utah Jazz, you guys had the greatest record in NBA history at the time. They were they finished the regular season 69 and 13. The Bulls, like they were runaway favorites to win the championship. Where'd you find your motivation? You know, you've, you've already won, you already won four titles or whatever. And he was like, Oh, Malone getting the MVP. That was my motivation. It was just like, Okay, you think he's the greatest player in the league? Okay, all right. And he's like, And I'm not taking anything away from Carl Malone, you know, had a great, had a great year, probably deserved it, but. It, you know, I felt that's where I found my motivation was just like proving them wrong, you know, so mm. same kind of same kind of idea. Yeah. Does that show up in your life now in the acting and the different projects and MVP and like all the different things that you have your hands in? And if so, like, how have you learned to maybe, I don't know if develop a healthier relationship is the right word for it, the right phrase, but. How is it showing up now in your life? I'd be curious. Probably is the right phrase. I'm not sure if I've <laughs> developed that yet. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, you you have to be, at least for me, you, you have to be accepting of and prepared for uh, the losses too, because there's mm. probably going to be more losses than wins if you really are putting yourself out there and going after some really challenging you know goals or whatever so i think it's helped being able to reflect on the past a bit and i'm not great at it i'm very forward thinking i'm always thinking about the future and sometimes worrying about the future too much i don't really rest on my laurels in the past i don't talk too much about the past and um and that's you know they're good in that i don't dwell on that but you should reflect Mm -hmm. dwelling and reflecting are different things reflecting and looking back on like okay I achieved this thing, but what was, what were the moments that I felt the most joy, you know, and excitement and Mm. where I felt most alive. And it, and so far it really hasn't been in, you know, planting that flag at the top of the mountain. It's been the moments halfway or wherever, where there was a sticking point and you, and that voice in your head was like telling you quit, you know, and you wanted to stop and your body was slowing down and shutting down. And maybe you almost did, you know, but then you didn't and you just kept going and you broke through it. And then you're like, I beat, I beat that thing. You know, beating that thing is so much better than beating your opponent, whatever that is, Mm. Uh, beating that like voice in your head or that, you know, that, that, that little demon that just wants you to give up, um, at least for me. So like remembering that. So even when I look at the scoreboard at the end of the game, if I'm on the short side, but I, I just, I kept fighting, you know, and, and maybe I didn't give a hundred percent every second of the game. I don't even know if that's possible. You know, that, mm. I remember that question, kid, did you give a hundred percent the whole game? And it's like, I probably didn't. There was probably moments where I just was like, man, I'm tired. I just ugh, put my hands on my hips and then, and then you get over it, you know, and you're back yeah. to going as hard as you can. And that that's just the struggle. That's life. I mean, that's how it is all the time. So it's not just when you're competing at that thing, but I, I think that, um, you know, whether it's a, yeah, whether it's athletics or something completely unrelated to that, it's just the not, it's the not, the not giving up the, the, the finding a way through. And if it takes you a really long time, even if you're a late bloomer and a slow starter like me, it's, it's so much more about how you finish um, and that you do finish, even if you lose, mm-hmm. that makes sense. A hundred percent. I think it's, as you were kind of talking through it there, um, really about like 
adjusting the sights of the goal. Like the goal, it shouldn't actually be a hundred percent locked in the entirety of the time. Um, I almost see it now in the like wave for hyper productivity and all these uh, high performance gurus that exist out there that are like, you got to get this much more out of your day by doing this, this, and this. And it's not so much about like necessarily finding yourself in that flow and that focused in the zone moment hundred percent of the time, but exactly what you just said of this. All right. Having the awareness to catch yourself when you're not in it and then trusting and having the tools to get you right back in it when you do recognize, because we're human at the end of the day, it's, it's a impossible task to ask us to be a hundred percent locked in right here, right now for whether that be like a 60 minute game or a deployment mission, I would imagine, or an acting right. job. Like it, it's almost this like ever fleeting feeling and we're just doing our best to try to like reposition and re-navigate us back into it, you know? Right. Yeah. It's funny. You, you, you talk about, you bring up the deployment thing because um, I had the opportunity, I guess it was probably six years ago now uh, to to speak to the uh, Seattle Mariners, to speak to the team mm. uh, during during uh, spring training down there in, in uh, Arizona. And it's funny because it was a, you know, we're in this locker room. It's before the season. There's a ton of rookies because uh, it, it was a, well, it was their, it was their major league team, but they had brought, a, you can have more guys. I think you have more guys, yeah. you know, in spring training. And the, obviously they also have the single A, double A, triple A spring training teams also. So there's all those guys, but I spoke with the, the major league team and they, yeah, there was a few extra dudes in there. So there's a lot of rookies, a lot of young guys are just like, I, I don't really, you could just tell they're like, they, yeah, I'm sure this guy has some great inspirational story, but I just want to get out there and play. We got a game in a little bit, but then you had um, Nelly Cruz, Nelson Cruz, who I think he made it to the majors at 29. Um, and he started, uh, you know, he started playing in the minor leagues probably at 18 or 19. So it took him 10 years of grinding through the minors to get there. And then at this point when I was, and I think the dude is, he's either, he either just retired or, I mean, he played well into his forties, right? Yeah. He had a long career. He still had a, if I'm just guessing here, but a 14 year career or something. And so he's later in his career and I just gave a short talk. I talked to the team for about 10 minutes, kind of just gave my whole background and then talked a bit about um, some of the stuff we're talking about here. And I was like, any questions? And like, of course, nobody's asking, you know, everyone's kind of, it's just like a classroom full of kids. You know what I mean? Like no one wants to ask the first question or they don't know what to ask. They're like, all right, Nate, I think your time's are, up. See you later. Yeah, <laughs> Half the guys are checked out, like taping up their bat and like not really into it. And Nelly, Nelson Cruz is just like, Hey, what, you know, when you, when you go, when you were deployed overseas and he's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to compare going to war to like doing what we're doing, but it's a long season, you know? And it's, it's, there's a lot of, uh, every day, feels the same you know you just get in these routines and it's easy to get complacent we play 162 of these things uh you know over a course of i don't know seven eight months or whatever and uh so he was uh he just kind of asked like what you know what kind of tips and tricks do you use or what sort of things do you focus on and it doesn't even matter what my answer was because what, what was interesting to me was that 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 guy um is still still like trying to learn and like fully understood because he'd been there and gone through that. But like there's ups, there's downs, there's slumps, there's 
heartbreak. There's all these like, um, you know, there's streaks. There's all these like good, good and bad things that kind of happen through it. That's just life. I mean, life is a roller coaster. There's ups, downs. We're supposed to be sad and angry and all these other things. Like sometimes we don't want to live there all the time, but like those are very normal emotions we go through. And, you know, struggle is just part of living a full life. Like it's just part of it. Um, if it's super comfortable, it's probably not that exciting. It, it, at least for me, I would not, it'd be hard for me to be content. You know, there's no darkness. There's no, there's no light without darkness. Um, and so for me, I, I kind of need that. I don't necessarily always want to be there. I'm not trying to be sad, but, um, you know, some, sometimes I'm attracted to sort of those, those darker moments in life, mm. um, because I'm curious about them and I, and I want to know how to, when I do go there, like how to get out of that, you know? So allowing myself to exist there sometimes is okay. And it was just interesting because I started thinking about deployment, my first deployment where it was like, I mean, I literally got my heart broken halfway through, <laughs> you know, and then uh, I'm still, I'm dealing with that emotion from back home while I'm still over there doing our job. And it's just a grind. And, you know, we're, we're, we, we get stuck for a couple of months, not being able to do much mission wise. Mm. And it's hot and it's like, you're just trying to find things to keep you awake, not just literally awake, but keep you alert, I guess, and keep you getting, keep getting like, how do I keep getting better through the time like this? Um, so it was just so interesting that that was the guy to ask that. And it's like, once he asked that all of a sudden, the young people were kind of locked in, like they're like listening now. It's like, well, shoot, Nelly said something like he's, you know, he's the wise old sage in the locker room. And uh, and yeah, it was just like uh, I just found that super interesting because he's probably seen it all from a baseball perspective. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, imagine. Probably how, how many times did that guy want to quit before he even got to the majors where it's like, yeah, you know, God, man, I'm 10 years <laughs> and I'm still in the like minors like it ain't gonna happen dude like give it up and then he just didn't and then boom all of a sudden he like unlocked it you know somehow and uh it's wild but it's like life kind of is a war of attrition in a way um of course we have our timelines physically mm -hmm. things you know we, we're not going to be uh the same type our strengths change i guess is a better way of putting it, over time you know i started to get into distance running recently i'm actually running the leadville 100 up here in august i and saw so, that man i was i was yeah. impressed <laughs> so i'm doing but i don't know if i would have even thought about trying to do something like that in my 20s or even 30s maybe but now it's like your body just changes and and mm -hmm. i feel like you know they call they, they say there's there's such a thing as old man strength you know guys just over time you kind of develop different muscles and different movements are become stronger even as you get slower and mm -hmm. maybe a little more broken i mean at some point everything gets weaker you know it's just the reality but um yeah right now i'm like i i kind of have a different it's just leaning into the, like the new strengths that i have and um and trying and trying those things out maybe i always had that and just didn't know and it's a lack of options now but i'm uh you know i i'm i'm always trying to find new things to compete at things that just keep me um yeah keep me from getting complacent keep me from being too comfortable and i just love to compete with myself and see what the body and mind and spirit are truly capable of yeah man I, i'm hearing as you talk there through a lot of that that this 
the guts to have curiosity in moments where it might even be uncomfortable is really what's allowing you to like keep pushing into different domains of your life and like keep that fire alive inside you in a way that is fulfilling and feels purposeful and meaningful. Is that right? kind of fair to say? Yeah, that is fair. That is fair to say. It's very fair to say. I mean, I think that's, that's just a big part of it. I, I uh, yeah, I mean, we all want to belong. We all want to matter. We all want to feel like we're doing something to make a difference in the world. And we all, I think we all want to inspire others and, mm. you know, maybe not. Absolutely. That's what I, that's what it seems like. At least people in my world, like that's, you know, when you talk to almost anybody at some point in their life, like their goal was to change the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that sounds like a big thing, but it doesn't necessarily have to be, it doesn't need all 8 billion people in it or whatever. It's like, you know, changing the world can be a very small thing. It can be in your community, it can be in your household, it can be with one person or one moment even really. Uh, so if we think like that and feel those things, then like, I think gen genuinely at our core, we kind of all want the, the same things for ourselves as far as you mm. know, feeling purpose, that pur uh, purposefulness and, and connection. And, you know, uh, I, I don't know. And that, that's just, that's something yeah. that, that I think we, we do share as human beings. A hundred percent. I think we can be committed to going out and changing the world and making that impact as long as we're not attached to like, it has to look a certain way and it has to be a certain number of people. You know, we can drop that expectation that I need to speak in front of millions of people this year. Then <laughs> guess what will probably be more likely to happen. You might speak in front of millions of people this year, most likely. Right. Um, and speaking, I wanted to highlight, I mean, part of what prompted me to reach out to you this week anyway was, um, when I think it was Wednesday night or Tuesday night, I was sitting here at uh, my apartment and a friend of mine had sent me the film that you just released. I want to say 2022, right? Yeah. It came Still out on Veterans Day, actually. Gotcha. And it, yeah. So for those not familiar with Nate's work, MVP, um, it, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal watch. I do have to preface by saying like, there's some heavy triggering things in there. So be mindful as you go into it. But I mean, dude, I can't tell you the amount of tears that I uh, shed on the couch watching the film to the point where I was like, I need to talk to this guy. I need to just like, I'm feeling a calling to hop on a, a zoom and see what happens. So one, thank you for that. And two, I'm curious to like, how hard was that for you to make a film that I would imagine in a lot of ways is very much about your life and to go back into those spaces and feelings as an actor and like playing the pivotal role that you did in the film. Um, and what was that like just doing that and then putting it out into the world afterwards? Yeah, it was, it was, it's, it was really hard. It was uh, really scary. Um, and not because I was afraid to go back to those places in my mind. Mm. Um, what I was afraid of is screwing it up. Like, telling the story not not doing the justice mm. and disappointing people you know or um not affecting people or, or just i don't know just letting people down uh because the, the the actual story of mvp is it's not necessarily my story there's a lot of elements of things i've experienced in there but you know in the story it's actually based on 
two veterans who kind of through the background of the Zephyr character, the Marine who was living in a homeless shelter, um, that there it, it's based off of these two guys that I met in LA. Mm. Uh, one of them was living in that actual shelter where we filmed. Um, that's on location at a real place on Sunset Boulevard. It's quite bizarre. Um, and a lot of the guys and just people in that story, the veterans, uh, are playing themselves like they're actual people mm. that live there. Every veteran portrayed on screen is played by an actual veteran. Um, and then all these athletes, you know, you maybe recognize some of them from Tony Gonzalez to Randy Couture, Michael Strahan, Howie Long. Um, these guys are playing themselves, you know, and telling their own stories, telling their real stories of when they lost the uniform, leaving the game, you know, and then these vets that are really struggling with that transition too. And, you know, it's it's based on the Genesis for Charity that I co-founded called Merging Vets and Players, MVP for short. I, I co-founded it with Jay Glazer, who's also in the film. And, uh, you know, he's a, a Fox NFL Sunday uh, analyst. And, you know, he also studies MMA quite a bit, has commentated on that over the years. Um, we just identified the similarity. People leaving the military and leaving sports, um, not that we would ever compare the battlefield to the ball field, but losing the uniform and identity and team and uh, structure at a pretty young age and feeling like you'll never be great again. Those are very similar feelings. Um, and it's easy to isolate and go into a hole and, you know, not seek out other challenges and new, mm. new ways to express all that energy and, and to, you know, kind of fight for something like that's just who we are and who we need to continue to be at some level. And, uh, we, you know, we are problem solvers, people that, that wore jerseys and, and, uh, and camouflage. We, we really are uh, deep down and, and we just have to maintain that in our life. So in the process of making the movie, I mean, first of all, I co-wrote it, I produced it, I directed it, uh, you know, I oversaw it post-production. Uh, I was one of the lead actors. Doing all those things, wearing all those hats was the only way I was able to make this movie because we mm -hmm. had no when it comes to like movie money we had nothing i mean people typically that have watched it have sort of guessed the budget's about 10 times what it actually was which is great feeling i love when they say that uh and a lot of that credit goes to my cinema cinematographer logan fulton who just won an emmy recently the guy's amazing um to the you know the production team um balboa productions uh that's sylvester salone's company they ep'd the project they didn't ask for anything they just wanted to see me help, you know, help me get made. They wanted to help it get made. Mm. Uh, and they wanted to see me be successful. And 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 we're going to work on more projects now, which is great. So I had this amazing team when we shot it in 2020. Uh, so it was, we were in lockdown in LA. A lot of things were closed. And once again, when I talked about earlier, adversity, like this was an opportunity because there's a lot of people that just wanted to work on something, you know, sat, the Screen Actors Guild had just, uh, sort of released all right here's the protocols you need to follow as far as you know vaccinations and masks and um you know sanitation and all that stuff if you can follow these mm -hmm. rules you can you can shoot something and so i was like all right well we've got free covid testing all over la drive-in testing i'm just going to ask my cast and crew to do that because i can't afford to pay for tests so we're going to do all the free covid testing and then we're just going to be skeleton crew wherever we need to be. And all these places being shut down. I mean, we were able to shoot at some restaurants and places like that. Um, 
that just opened their doors to us as long as we cleaned up after and maybe bought lunch from them. You know, they yeah. were like, that's fine. That's that'll that'll the, the American Legion post 43. Like they let us film at that place for very, very, you know, inexpensive. And it's a critical part of the movie. Um, the, the Like I said, the shelter, the Hollywood Veterans Center, uh, where those where those guys lived, they had just shut down because uh, they lost funding during COVID. So mm. the last week before they had to hand the keys over, they let me film there. And they left everything as it was. So we shot, we shot there. We, uh, we also gorillaed pretty much everything outside. So we're all <laughs> over the city, <laughs> just kind of going for it, you know, and, um, and we got it done and we got it made. And, and uh, it, yeah, it was a literally an entire year from, from, uh, from literally from cameras rolling till final cut done like let's try and get it out there and sold. It took a year because of, like I said, financial restrictions and waiting for people to be available and just, you know, beg borrowing and stealing what I could. And, uh, but it happened and it did really well. And then, you know, it, it, it was initially out on, well, we, we were in 35 theaters for a little while hmm. and then uh, we were on Amazon prime and Apple TV where you can still see it there um, uh, through video on demand, but then Showtime licensed it in February. So if you have Showtime or one of the apps with the Showtime package, you can watch it for free on there. So, yeah, I mean, incredibly, it, it's it's uh, it's doing good. It's going to make its money back and maybe even a little more, which is really hard to do. Only 3% of movies make money. So uh, I, I consider all those things a win, but I just, I want to make more. I want to tell more stories. It doesn't have to be veteran. It doesn't have to be athlete. It doesn't have to be really anything. It's just... I, I want, you know, the stories I want to be a part of, I want them to make a difference, not just entertain people. I want people to think and maybe change uh, something that they do or the way, the way that they listen to other people or, or who knows what, you know, the way they kind of can relate to, to situations. And I hope through MVP, when people walk out of the theater, whether you're a veteran athlete or not, you just have more of an appreciation of, you know, what a lot of these people do go through. Um, but also that we're not hopeless, you know, we've mm. got, we've got a lot, uh, still in the, in the tank. Um, we might just need, you know, a little, a little help and that's okay. And I want our vets and athletes to, to be willing to ask for it when they need it, you know, yeah. it's not, it's not shameful. It's actually a lot more courageous to, you know, throw up the white flag once in a while and say, I need a, I need a hand here. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you, you portrayed that really well in the, in the movie and the film, but then, you know, I want to actually highlight the work that you and Jay have done and continue to do with MVP, the actual organization and the, the gatherings and everything, because I think it's just like content as a whole, I think plays in a very important piece in raising awareness but it's then it's through healing through these experiences that is like so critical in the actual transition and that development. So yeah. if you could just talk very briefly about like what that looks like, all the different projects you guys are doing. I know you're all over the country now at this point. Yeah. Yeah. We've got MVP has eight chapters around the country right now. We're in LA, Vegas, Chicago, Atlanta, New York, Seattle, Dallas, Phoenix. Uh, hopefully soon to be in Austin as well uh, and a few other cities. We'll, so we'll sync on that one. If I can help, let me know. <laughs> you can. I promise you can. Uh, we definitely will. We'll, 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 uh, we'll follow up offline on that, but um, 
you know, every week we meet up in the gym and we train together for about 45 minutes. It's just, it's vets and athletes together, all different, you know, shapes and sizes. <laughs> some, some of these people are, you know, having, whether they left the, you know, sports or the military, they have, hadn't seen the inside of a gym in quite a while. You know, I wanted nothing to do with it. And some of them are in really great shape, but the, the workout is meant to be as hard as you want to make it. You know, it's just kind of going through it together. It's a bit of a smoke session. Uh, we're just, we just want to sweat and talk a little crap and, uh, you know, make everybody feel comfortable. Like they were back in mm. training camp or they were back in basic or whatever. And, and then afterwards we huddle up on the wrestling mat or whatever. It doesn't have to be a wrestling mat. They're not all fight gyms. We huddle up and for about, another 45 minutes, maybe an hour. It's just an open forum peer to peer. Um, you know, we're all coaches in there. We're all students, you know, we're all, we're, nobody in there has all the, the, you know, the magic beans or, or the, the answers. Like we don't, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know what we're talking about, but we can relate, you know, to whatever you're going through in some way, somebody in that room, if you got something going on, they've been through it. I promise, you know, mm. and, and so it's a time to just talk about it. And it all stays there. Like we don't, you know, when it's done, it stays on the mat. We don't carry stuff outside. We don't talk about it, you know, further. You'll never hear us, you know, tell other people's stories unless they've allowed us to. Particularly, we want them to tell their own story. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, and so that's the, uh, that's really, that's really what it is. It, and, and the community that it builds, you know, recreating that locker room. Um, and I encourage people to watch the movie because it portrays all of this. So if you yeah. want to like see what it's all about, it really is in the movie. Um, but uh, beyond that, if you're in one of those cities and, and or, you know, vets and athletes, please, you know, send them to vetsandplayers.org, have them sign up. It doesn't cost anything. Our members never pay a dime for, for nothing. Um, and, you know, be a part of our, our community because we have virtual options as well if you're not in those cities. But that like... To see people come in the door that maybe for months had been isolating and, you know, they had somebody nagging them. Hey, dude, you got to come to this thing with me. And they're just like, oh, what is this corny? You know, I don't want like some some sappy self-help group thing. Like, you mm. know, it's not like that. It's not what you think. Um, and they finally come in and they're like, all right, well, that wasn't so bad. I sat through that, you know, maybe they come back next week. And then, in, you know, after a while, one day they feel compelled to to share something or offer some advice to someone that has, uh, you know, kind of gone through something and, and eventually they're, they're vulnerable enough to just really let it out. And then you see them start to become this different person. I'm not even this different person become who they always were and who mm -hmm. they want to be. Um, and just kind of tap into that uh, side of them. And, and it's, uh, it's really cool. It's really magical to see that, uh, uh, the group do that because it is the group. It's not Jay. It's not me. It's not any of our staff that really does that more than the members themselves. Like they are the heart and soul of MVP. And um, yeah, they're, they're why I made the movie. Um, they're why we've expanded like we have and mm. why, uh, you know, we've, we've only over the years, we've got thousands of members and a lot of them are quite at risk and we've only lost two of our members uh, to their own hands in, in, in seven years, which two is way too many. But when you look at 
how many, and you, you hear how many stories of people that had attempted that walked in our doors. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty great. It's pretty great to, to, to know that and to, and to feel, uh, to feel pride in that. Um, as much as we'd love to have those two gentlemen back, uh, Tim and Greg were, you know, are, are great men and mm. legends and we'll never forget them. Uh, but we got to live on in their honor. You know, we've got survivor's responsibility more than we've got survivor's guilt to keep doing what we're doing. And, and, uh, yeah. So I just very lucky to have met Jay, first of all, at Unbreakable Performance Center, where we started MVP and where we still on a weekly basis have Wednesday night, 7 p.m. sessions if you're in L.A. Um, and then, you know, for for it to just grow like it did, the, the first member I met was a guy named Denver uh, who lives out in Dallas. Now he stood up our Dallas chapter and Denver is one of the two people that Zephyr character is based off of, you know, mm. the guy had attempted to take his own life three times. Um, he, you know, he grew up in a, he had a tough childhood and uh, just struggled, really struggled and was living in that shelter. And I met him in April of 2016, not long after I'd been cut from the Seahawks and, you know, my career was over uh, and military was over and it's like Denver was like a new mission for me, you know? Mm. Um, and, and I learned so much from him too, about, you know, resilience and just being grateful for the opportunities I did have and all that. Anyway, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's going, it's It's going quite well. I mean, one, one more thing to touch on, you know, when you asked about the challenges of making that movie, especially from the acting side, that there's some scenes in it, like you said, they're pretty dark, they're pretty heavy. And, I think I know which ones you're talking about. And, and you know, the, those moments, the stuff that I was uh, tapping into, it wasn't really, didn't really have to do with things I experienced at war or anything like that. It, it had to do with, um, you know, how much at times, you know, I felt and still occasionally feel like I'm, just not a good person you know what i mean that mm. like i just as many deeds as i try to do and as many um people as i try to save and um hills i try to climb whatever like i'll never be a truly good person because i have these negative thoughts that everybody has you know but i forget that and i just like we all have that. We're like, when I remember that it, it brings me peace and I, and I understand like mm. this is normal, but like when you're in it, you're in it sometimes and it's hard to understand and it's hard to, um, it's hard to give yourself a little grace and I'm not good at that. You know, that's, I, I, I know I'm not, I know I struggle with that. And, and in that, in that moments when we were shooting that day, I had some stressful things come up. I had some, you know, a really tough situation with a, you know, with, with, with the, with an ex-girlfriend of mine that, you know, she'd moved on and found the right person for her. And that freaking killed me. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like how yeah. selfish is that? Right. And I'm so glad that she did. And now she's, you know, living the life that she's living. I'm, that's, she absolutely deserves that, but it was just, it was hard, you know, and it was just a hurtful, a hurtful time. So there was like that and all this stuff going on, everything was going wrong that day on set. I'm like, I'm, I'm just, this thing is toast. I blew it already. We're in day three and it's, you know, I'm, I'm letting everybody down. 
I'm a failure. I'm a fraud. I'm all these things. And then I have this opportunity to, to be on camera <laughs> and have this scene where I'm, I mean, literally beating myself up a little bit. And it just kind of, I just flipped a switch and just sort of dove into that because I know we do that. I've done it before. You know, mm. a lot of people have done that. And I just oh, gave myself permission to like go back there and do it because I thought as painful as this is literally, <laughs> and as painful as it's going to be to watch later. Um, and maybe for other people to see too, this is real. And this is like what we feel sometimes this is, and this is not a vet thing. It's not an athlete thing. It's a human thing. Um, and it, 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 after that was over, I remember walking off the set. That was the last shot of the night. And, uh, I could see the team, you know, the the, the crew, the, the other, uh, the producers, the actors who are largely vets and athletes on this thing sort of feel they, they, the way they were looking at me was like, all right, well, we're committed now. Like we have to, we have to finish this thing. We have to step up. We've got to bring it. And and that included Mo McRae who played Will Phillips and he was did a phenomenal job. I mean, he's a great actor already, but you could just see this like, switch in him mm. and uh, so anyway like that was a big thing and that's really what mvp is all about it's like just giving ourselves the space and uh, permission to 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 feel you know and to express and and sometimes it's we don't do that in the huddles <laughs> like for people that haven't seen the movie you'll see please watch it you'll understand um we don't do that in the huddles but we absolutely uh encourage people to be just be raw and be real, you know, and talk about those feelings and, and, and get it out there. So we can, we can talk through this together. Don't do what I did in the movie as in, you know, playing this character who is isolated by himself and just beats up on himself, you know, and, and it's, it's mm. something we need to, we need to uh, release. It's all, it's inside of us, you know, we need to release it, but there's healthier ways to do that. And eventually that's, that's what, uh, you know, that's what transpires in the film, but that's what, that's what MVP really is all about. It's like giving us the space to do that. Amen, man. I think, uh, I mean, you summed it up so well there and I can relate on so many different levels with a lot of what you just said. Um, but want to be respectful of our time here. I want to make sure everyone goes and knows where to check out all the things. And I, but, I, but first I would be remiss. I, I want to just acknowledge you, Nate, with the way that you humbly show up and, and live your life and yeah, it might not be a hundred percent locked in all the time and negative thoughts do come in. It is making a difference. I've felt that. And I know many people listening to this will feel that in your story. So I just want to thank you for that seriously from the bottom of my heart, because it's, it means a lot. Where can those people here right now learn more about you, your story, maybe get plugged in uh, to MVP and everything else. Thanks, Corey. I really appreciate that, brother. It means a lot. Um, you know, for, for me, I mean, I have a website, nateboyer.org. You can also, you know, I mean, social media, I'm on at, at nateboyer37 on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I think TikTok too, but I, I don't really use TikTok too much yet. I'm trying to learn. I'm a late bloomer, like I said. Probably there we still, go. It's a few months for me. Uh, uh, but MVP, more importantly, uh, go to vetsandplayers.org. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Merging Vets and Players. Uh, I think it's at Vets and Players on Twitter as well. And I think at Merging Vets and Players also on on TikTok. But, you know, 
chase us down. We're always looking to partner on things and collaborate. If you have an idea for an event or an engagement um, that involves us, reach out, connect. If you got a business um, and you've been wanting to, you know, uh, contribute in some way or, or activate in some way uh, around you know, the veteran community, the athlete community, hook it, hook, you know, hook up with us. Like you, you just never know. We, we've done a lot of different things and we continue to be open to all ideas. Uh, and we love doing that stuff. You know, we, we, we really expanded over the last couple of years, like what we're doing outside of the, of the, of the locker room outside of the gym. Cause we meet up, like I said, on a weekly basis, but if there's an opportunity to do something every day, there's a lot of our members that are all in and they'll engage in that. So please connect with us. It's really mean a lot. Heck yeah, we'll have that all linked below. Appreciate you being here. Make sure to share this episode with that someone who means something to you in your life. Our goal is to spark more meaningful connections that often can start with a conversation like this one. As always, I appreciate you being here. And until next week, flow on my friends.